This is Untethered Layers with the Arc of E Network. I am Rachel Tyler. And I am Dalwood Nadarath. Uh, what album are we talking about this week, Rachel? Well, we're here today to talk about Wise album Alopecia. Okay, so uh, I didn't really lay out how, how the show would be last week, uh, so I'll, I'll give you guys a quick little structure. Generally, what I do is I'll come and talk shop a little bit about the history of the album and the context of like where they were at. And then Rachel says like all the really smart articulate shit no. about <laughs> about how the how the songs sound, and then I kind of just piggyback off that. Uh, and then at the end we talk uh, a little bit about a couple of our favorite tracks. But with this album in particular, I feel like we're just gonna end up talking about every single track. Most of them, at least. Most of them, at least. There are some uh, we were just chatting that um, don't stand out as strongly to us, but that doesn't mean that we don't love them all the same. So I'll go ahead and just, uh, like I said, give some context of where the the album is. This uh, Alopecia, the Alopecia LP came out in 2008, which now is a perfect time, I think, to be talking about this album. Because, yeah, they're coming out 10-year anniversary. I think it was back in either March or April, something like that. It came out in March, yeah. In March, yeah. Uh, So 10 years ago, as of this past March, Alopecia is, I feel like I can comfortably say, the quintessential Y album. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, like we said last week, most Y fans become a fan through this album, at least once our age, I would say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, yeah, we mentioned last week about how some of the older generation Y fans uh, got in on an elephant, elephant eyelash and were able to anticipate alopecia. But for some of us who were uh, toddlers at the time, we didn't have the luxury to, to get in on that ground level. But yeah, so it came out in 2008 and... We talked last week about Elephant Eyelash being the f- the big move from Yoni's uh, solo stuff to a full band thing. Um, this definitely isn't nearly as much of a dramatic shift, but they did uh, have a different. Uh, th- they had a shift in their sound. Uh, they kind of tossed away their their uncon- like unconventional samplers and instruments. Um, they kind of rid those in favor of some more traditional instruments, you know, like a guitar, or a bass, you know, a drums and a keyboard. Uh, but they still managed, despite the fact that they had, you know, a generic lineup for a band, probably one of the most like distinct, distinguishable sounds that Y has cultivated, like in in all of their, at least all the albums we're going to talk about, uh, from Elephant Eyelash to Mochlin. Something that I, 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 w- I would equate this. The, at least the instrumentation of this record to imagine if like a, what? a like a, <laughs> imagine a man with like a really heavy southern drawl like turned into a guitar or a bass because it's very like deep and kind of like slow and really heavy um most of throughout, throughout most of the album not all of it uh but I definitely think one of the yeah one of the most distinct sounds that they've cultivated kind of just like kind of like lower register murky like his vocals for sure yeah are very like monotonous um which i think is pretty indicative of how he was feeling and where his head was at the time because uh, back in 2008 uh where it was the start of yoni's like chronic illness uh i don't really know like a whole bunch about it i mean that's something super personal that uh i'll let him keep but uh back in 2008 was uh whenever he he found out that he had Crohn's disease um so it was the start in his own in his own words it was the start of some real rough stuff uh he also got mumps in 2008 um which okay, yeah, sneak peek to the to the yeah, uh, to one of the later albums, album. mumps etc but yeah so he had uh started to i don't know develop Crohn's i don't i, I assume that's 
how it happened. It, it started experiencing yeah, yeah, symptoms he, he, yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, and actually, one of the one of the tracks we're going to talk about later, a shared favorite between Rachel and I, um, called By Torpedo or Crohn's, was written and I believe named before he even knew he had Crohn's, uh, which is, I don't want to say funny because it's a, it's a horrible uh, it's experience. It's ironic. Yeah, ironic. Um, but yeah, so this was all the beginning of his of his chronic illness, um, some real rough stuff, and it's it clearly shows in a lot of uh, the songs. There's some more hopeful songs, but a lot of the a lot of this album uh, is sort of nihilistic, sort of. Yeah, dark. I mean, just going on a in in terms of the themes, you know, Elephant Eyelash does deal with some pretty dark, heavy mm-hmm. stuff. Um, especially we didn't really get to talk about Act Five or Light yeah. Leaves very much, yeah. but those are some very dark songs. And really an interesting transition into this really abruptly dark. Yeah. I, I just don't know how else to say. Yeah, no, how it's yeah, just really heavy and dark. This mm-hmm. album is. Uh, the you you put it in a really particular way. Whenever we were talking about it last week, you you said something. You you called this album an exorcism. Talk. I, I want you to talk a little bit more about that because I, I could not think of a better word to define this album other because I remember talking uh, about Al- Elephant Eyelash and how it's just. They, they they took their sound or he took his sound from earlier and sort of refined it into a full band sound um and it was an album that was really really cool to make but you and i talked about how alopecia seems like an album that yoni needed to make yeah. for himself um so i think exorcism and you last week you said it was aggressively personal um i think those are two like incredible <laughs> ways uh, not to put you like on blast or anything oh, like yeah, that no. but um two incredible ways to just sort of define this album as a whole I, I read this this quote that uh, was in a review of the album, and it said that it was like uh, 5 a.m. journal entries cut up and turned to collage, which I thought was a really interesting way to put it because it definitely agree. And um, you know, throughout songwriting, I, I at least di- different people that I've heard talk, and you know, I've read different things. There are really two like main types of songwriting where you sit down and you write down a song like from start to finish, or you take bits and pieces that share similar themes um, and kind of just stitch them up into one song. Um, and I feel like most of this album is that is taking like really interesting like, like they said journal entries or like really quick uh dark deep thoughts and kind of jotting them down and then coming together and putting them all uh, in, in one cohesive way yeah. yeah well and again i'll say you know i think you and i are both pretty creative people and this album Not definitely to brag or anything, uh, well yeah. well you know <laughs> yeah no i know um and just listening to this album you can tell that he like i said that he had to make it mm-hmm. um as a way of coping with something that was happening um some things that we're aware of some things we'll probably never be aware of that were going on with him and maybe with some of the other members of the band at that time in their lives i'll, I'll say that um one of my favorite things about about yoni as a whole um and this album in particular is um like you, you just mentioned that there are some parts that we know about, you know, that, that were public. You know, he had Crohn's disease or, you know, he was going through this, he was going through that, whatever. Some parts that you can you can kind of infer uh, what was going on, very specific events. Uh, I, I threw up in a Whole Foods parking lot kind of thing. Today after lunch, I got sick and blue chunks all over my new shoes and a lot behind Whole Foods. This is a new kind of blues. Um, but one of my favorite things about his songwriting is that try as you may you there are some lyrics that will never mean literally anything to anyone except for him exactly um which is like one of my personal i i kind of sometimes see uh listening to songs as kind of like a treasure hunt you know like Mm -hmm. uh kind of stitching together yeah stitching together clues from this album or like a couple albums back and kind of being like oh these two match up what does that mean like uh there's a, a a line in 
this album that harkens back to something that he did back in his Cloud Dead era. Um, we'll talk about that later because it's in one of the one of the tracks I'm going to talk about. But yeah, just like a lot of his music and a lot of his songwriting is just like you said, so so deeply personal that I won't ever have any idea what was going through or what he meant by this certain line or you know who he was talking about or where he was kind of thing yeah and and something that what i last week you kind of were mentioning how you felt like you were a little bit too young to be Mm -hmm. listening to this album because of the really adult dark themes that are on it Mm -hmm. and i and i disagree because i think that clearly it yeah like we said it was a very cathartic like release Mm -hmm. he had to do this to get through something and i think that that's what young people really go through and i think we as we're entering adulthood you and i Mm -hmm. and other adults in general are really dismissive of young people's pain Mm -hmm. you know because i'm forgetting what it was like to be 13 yeah you know at this point thankfully (laughs) well yeah (laughs) exactly you know it's at that point in your life you've never hurt more yeah you know and i think that's why it's so important to have you know music and, and why music or, or pop culture in general is so important for, mm. for people at that young age who are just starting to go through really difficult things. And even people at a younger age, I think, you know, again, it, it is a little explicit for people mm-hmm. who are, you know, in single digits. But yeah, um, but yeah I, I, I think that, you know, 13 years old almost makes perfect sense for an album that's so dark. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree with the fact that the worst middle school is just in general the (laughs) the worst time of i think anybody's life so many like this this has nothing to do with the album but my my personal experience or my context with the album yeah it's just like just the shittiest worst uh like i don't know how people do it dude how does anybody like experience being 13 um for you know some people listening to this that may have seemed like a lifetime ago uh it sure shit seems like a lifetime ago to me you know i'm 21 you're 22 yeah um but yeah i guess i I can kind of i can kind of see that uh being a little bit more uh, not relatable but kind of something that you might need at that time Mm -hmm. even if you don't can't actually relate to the things that he's going the exact the exact things that he's talking about um but i also wanted to talk about the the sort of how how this album how this album goes up against uh the other albums um at least thematically yeah um, yeah. like stylistically and instrumentally you can definitely tell like a huge shift but in Elephant Eyelash, there were a lot of, like you said, there were a lot of deeply personal things in the, in that record. Um, it's been like cited as a breakup record, um, like throughout throughout time. Um, but I think this is definitely one of the, like we said, darkest and one of the most aggressively personal albums that he's ever put out in between any side projects or between anything. Um, which is why I think it's like the quintessential why album. Like, the, if you want to under, or if you want to like and understand why, like this is the album. That yeah, you I mean, it's yeah. so raw. Exactly, there's yeah. there's no way for you to not feel something exactly, while, while yeah. listening to it. And like, uh, at least thematically, compared to uh, some of some of the later albums, you and I, I was talking to you earlier about um, how the themes in this album pair up with a lot of the themes in like Mumps, but in such a different way like in in alopecia there's like this uncertainty and he's kind of like everything is shit it's the worst you know um he, he talks a lot about death in this record he's you yeah. know uh he says um what did he say about uh, i'll be okay cool as a rail if i'm not raw i'm just a bit underdone but i'd be okay cool as a rail if they just let us have health food and hell there's there's a certain like 
he doesn't give a shit anymore. Like he's, it's, it's like he's given up basically because, and I can understand that, you know, it's at the beginning of all this really, really dark shit, all this really horrible stuff that's happening to him, traumatic, even just health wise. Uh, so it's super easy to get lost in like this dark ocean of nihilism. Uh, but there's this uncertainty and an unwillingness to kind of figure it out or an unwillingness to kind of just like, uh, accept. Uh, but in like mumps, you know, he still, he still talks about the same shit. He still talks about the same illnesses. He still talks about whatever, but he's kind of like in a more, uh, he's he's in a he's doing it in a happier way. He's kind of just not I wouldn't say necessarily happy, happy but, but more fun way. Uh, yeah. I like like I said in in alopecia, he was kind of just uh, he it was really dark and he didn't give a shit anymore. But in moms, he's like, yeah, everything sucks, but like here's this super funny pun I'm gonna make out of yeah. like this horrible thing that that happened to me. And then in Mohlin, you know, he's still filled with that same uncertainty. He has no idea like it, it like. I would say I would venture to say you know I don't want to speak for Yoni but he's a lot happier in his Mohlin times than he was in his in his alopecia times but there you know there's still that same uncertainty where he talks a lot about religion he talks a lot about you know like where he is in the in the universe kind of thing uh but in a more hopeful way he's like I don't understand anything but that's okay because like I can still move on or like I don't really need to understand anything I can kind of just go with the flow um Yeah when we get to Mohlin we'll talk more about how um much like a a, a birth that album feels mm-hmm. at least to me yeah or, or even you know how how birth and death are so close together mm-hmm. whereas alopecia is so focused on on death and, and an end of mm-hmm. some kind and it just how can i move forward how can i get past this what is next whereas moline feels like the end of something mm-hmm. but also the beginning of something yeah and uh this was something that i talked to you and your sister about we were, we were really anticipating this album a lot like Mo- I, we were yeah, ready the for Mo- it. the Moline, Moline yeah, yeah yeah um and how I was kind of scared because the the way that he talks about a lot of stuff or at least just how the album sounds and feels it feels like like a finale like a last album mm-hmm. like a I so I genuinely thought like this was like last. I had no other indication like they had not they hadn't announced that they were splitting or they had announced they were gonna stop making music but just like listening to all the songs and I don't want to get too into Moline because we'll talk about it uh, in depth uh in you know in a future episode but me being scared like shit like is this the end yeah what if yoni like doesn't ever have any sort of like catharsis <laughs> out he was like man i figured it all out <laughs> he's like i don't yeah. have anything else yeah, to, write I don't about. Have to write about <laughs> exactly yeah um but yeah so just uh going back to to alopecia a little bit um the the, the track list of alopecia for me is, is super interesting at least the way that a lot of them sound because and um this is this is my own like probably a personal fault but i i tried too hard, I think, to attribute a lot of uh, different alopecia tracks to different eras of Y and being like, mm, this one sounds better. This in this album, this one sounds better. Obviously, you know the the albums all stand incredibly by themselves. Like that, this is no like I'm not trying to do any disservice to to any of the track lists or whatever. But uh, something super interesting to me is that despite the fact that he's going through so much in the alopecia area, despite the fact that he's you know that this is definitely the darkest album he's ever put out, it's punctuated by uh tracks that sound a little bit more hopeful that sound like they might belong in the elephant eyelash area uh fatalist palmistry being one of them uh we talked about that a little bit earlier um about how i think it more close okay maybe maybe not belongs but i think it more closely resembles a lot of stuff in in instrumentation but it does do wonders in the track list for alopecia
Yeah, I I mean, there are some of those albums that I I think you just can't change the track list. Mm-hmm. You can't change. You can't add a song. You can't subtract a song. I think this album is. I don't want to say it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> this is pretty bi. We're pretty yeah. biased already, but but it is perfect. Objectively, uh, <laughs> it is the greatest album that has ever come out of all time. It's it's just really strong. Yeah. You no, know? oh, I and I definitely agree. It, it's it it's. Something I was saying earlier is, uh, like whenever we were talking earlier, um, something that I try to do too much, I think, is try to form one cohesive thread, either um, lyrically or instrumentally uh, or thematically through an album. But I don't think that necessarily has to be true for every yeah. album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think in some ways, at least thematically, you know, alopecia stands really strong as, you know, really dark and about death. Um, and like you said about, uh, it being something that he needed to do. It was cathartic. Um, and apparently it was so cathartic that it spawned two, like, albums from yeah, this. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, just, like, a, a little throwaway fact, I guess, is that uh, during this time was whenever he recorded, uh, or at least he wrote, I don't know if he recorded, uh, the entirety of Eskimo Snow as well, which is still to this day so bonkers to me because the, yeah. the album sounds so much different to me. Like, the idea that he was going through the same shit and during like both of these albums and like writing about like writing during this time both of these albums is insane to me Eskimo Snow and Alopecia sound so different incredibly different and the fact that they were written in the same session is like I really didn't believe you the first time I heard that Uh, actually this is all a joke I was lying to you the entire time (laughs) Uh, yeah so it is that that is one of the uh, most intriguing why facts to me is the fact that this and uh, Alopecia and Eskimo Snow were written at the same time Um, because I don't know if it's because Eskimo Snow and okay, so you were talking earlier about Eskimo Snow sounding like a collection of reject songs. Yeah, and that's a very harsh way to put yes. it. <laughs> I'm um, putting you on blast. <laughs> I love Eskimo Snow. Yeah. I I think that those song I think that album gets forgotten a lot mm-hmm. by Y fans and it's not one that people really go to a lot. Mm-hmm. I really love it. But yeah, there's something about all the songs that I think they go together yeah. all right, but but I just it just blows my mind that they I were think, from the same session. I think with uh, with a lot of the tracks, uh, and like you said, uh, I don't think you said reject. I was, uh, but <laughs> a bunch of songs that maybe at the time he and once again I don't want to speak. I'm just gonna start saying it the disclaimer. <laughs> I'm not trying to speak for Yoni ever, <laughs> but um, I I think he knew the the sort of uh, theme, and I think he know knew the sound that he was going for, for and I think he knew a lot of the Eskimo Snow songs didn't fit just that sound. Didn't. Even if he was even feeling if, those feelings, even at the if exact they same were time. great songs, they just didn't quite fit exactly that album at this time. Yeah, and I th- I'm so grateful for that because Alopecia holds together so strongly as as as, as a, a as a piece of art, yes, as, as one yeah. unit. Um, so I'm glad that it wasn't you know. Like he tried to pick the that best out of all the songs and made it into one album. Either exactly. album because yeah. both are. Yeah, and I think Eskimo Snow also uh, not to do that any disservice. I think Eskimo Snow puts itself as a as a really strong unit as well. Yeah. Um, you, I think you mentioned earlier uh, a lot of the a lot of the tracks say, maybe sound a little bit different on Eskimo Snow throughout the album, mm-hmm. um, but I think still thematically and I think still melodically at least um, it, it it flows really well as as an album. Um, and something else that I mentioned, uh, we mentioned at the beginning that Alopecia is like the quintessential Y album. And yeah. something that I realized is that like it, it falls in line with the idea of a cult classic. 
uh, it falls in line with the idea that it has, I think you mentioned, or we said. um, A lot of people in the general public don't know why. But the people who do know why, this album is probably one of their favorite albums. Yeah, by far, and it, I mean, for obvious reasons. It, it's just, for, the, it's the fan base for why and for this album in particular is so strong mm-hmm. and extreme. That yeah, I it's think, got a very small and dedicated Yes, fan base. dedicated. And that's that's the definition of, of a cult classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think to this day, like anybody who is interested in any realm uh, of of this kind of music, even though it's not really possible to pin why down into one particular genre or realm, um, knows and appreciates alopecia. Um, I... I literally cannot say this enough that it is like objectively this album is what skyrocketed relatively why to the level of fame that they have now. Like you said, they're not top 100 on every album that they come out with, but people know more people know why the amount of people that know why know why because of alopecia. Exactly. Um, and I think that just, just that in itself speaks, uh, into how strong of an album this is. But, just talking about the context of it doesn't really do it justice. You want to talk about some tracks? Do you want to talk about our favorite tracks? Let's get let's, into it. Okay, let's yeah. do it. I want you to start again. Okay. Give me time to oh, think well, of really interesting things to say. Uh, <laughs> um, while you well, say smarter I things. I think let's, even though this wasn't a track that either of us picked to mm-hmm. talk about, I do want to talk about the first song. Okay. And yeah, I will say that uh, at, before before we start recording, Rachel and I pick a couple tracks um between like we wanna, uh, we'll, we'll pick a couple of tracks each yeah. and we'll, we'll say i want to talk about this one particularly um we fought a little bit <laughs> on this one because i want to i want to have uh us pick different tracks but we we both picked um at, at least one of the same tracks if not two yeah and with like i said last week i have an infinite amount of words for this album and i can almost guarantee we're going to end up talking about the rest of the the rest of the record throughout this uh throughout this segment but there were two that I really wanted to talk about. Um, that one of them, <laughs> one of them being <laughs> one that Rachel wanted to talk about as well. Uh, so we compromised, and we we're both just going to talk a shit ton about it. I think yeah, is what we ended yeah. up doing. Uh, so okay, well, um, like I said, I think uh, really quickly, I just wanted to start off with the first song mm-hmm. on the album, which is the Vals Part Two, and comparing this to how we talked about the beginning of Elephant Eyelash with Crushed Bones having that really, you know, interesting drum pattern, that kind of, you know, that kind of. You know, kind of eases you into it. Whereas the vowels part two starts off with that really heavy, you know, like, dun, 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 You know, like, I'm I'm not a musician, so don't, you know, I shouldn't even try to imitate I shouldn't even try to imitate the songs. But, but, um... I mean, I'm sure you can just put in the clip of it right there. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the this album starts off immediately darker. You can mm. tell. And you can tell it's just a heavier, rounder sound. Mm. And I mean, what's even the first lyric? I'm not a lady. No, that's... No, uh, yeah, that's is it, that? isn't it? Yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a ladies' man, I'm a landmine Filming my own fake death Under an 88 Cavalier I go Kind of what we were saying, just this album starts off with such a heavy, dark song mm-hmm. 
that you immediately know you're in for something different mm-hmm. than Elf and Eyelash. Alerting the audience of mm-hmm. how different this album is. Yeah, be. I think I think that uh, song plays well into what we said about Crush Bones last week about how it's like, oh, so this is what it is, what it's going to sound like this yeah. time around. You know, like I can't imagine. We talked uh, uh, last week about how uh, we we were fans of Alopecia as a, as a younger generation, uh, but you know, older YA fans had the um, anticipation had the pleasure of anticipating. This and album. not knowing what it was, and gonna, not knowing what it was going. I, I cannot even, imagine. I can't imagine listening to Elephant Eyelash and it being like, say, it's your favorite album of the of the past couple of years. You know, you know, uh, Alopecia came out three years after Elephant Eyelash did, and being like, oh fuck yeah, you know, the new Y record is going to come out. I can't wait to like. I have a pretty general idea. I think of what it's going to sound like, and then Yoni just kind of like fucking kicks in the door with like a, <laughs> like a beer in his hand. He's like, we're going to talk about some 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 real shit this oh. time, um, and yeah, it's just so. Just so personal, so dark. Yeah, you know, yeah. we keep going back to those two words, but because those are the two most descriptive words, exactly, to say what this album is about. What this album feels like, and like I said earlier, it, it feels punctuated by tracks that that belong in older eras. But he also still he he still gives credit to uh, his, his past. You know, like he name drops Nos Dom. Dos has a uh, has a backing vocals in in the hollows. In the hollows, yeah. Um, there's a there's a line that he has uh, that I mentioned earlier that I'll talk about in the fall of Mr. Fifth that he mentions the exact same scenario in an old Cloud Dead production. Um, it still definitely is strong in the idea of the discography and the history and the lineage of Y, but in itself, it's just so different and so strong. Um, like I said, I said I have infinite words for this album, but I think it's too many. Like I I, I can't I can't. Well, you know, I was really nervous coming into this mm-hmm. because, yeah, last week we were saying, oh, I can't wait to talk mm-hmm. about alopecia. But the more I think about it, the the harder it is to, to describe, to really put it into yeah. words. Because but it's... fuck that, because this is our job. <laughs> we're going to we're going right, to help. Right, yeah, right. we're going to we're okay. going to describe the shit out of this album. And I think by doing that, let's go back to talking about your other favorite track. Right. Well, the vowels part two right, transitions yeah. So, yeah. into the absolute tastiest transition just it's the such greatest a thing I've, uh, and this is this is just a fun fact for me mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that you know I've told you yeah. this before is that I, I I started listening to alopecia about a, I think the year or a year after it came out. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, because I said I, I got into it either right before or right after uh, Eskimo Snow came out. Mm, okay. Um, so within within a year and a half, I, I started listening to alopecia, and I had never heard this transition until I met. You and your sister. You guys like were the ones that because you guys had the record and we played the yeah, record. Yeah, we, we had the CD in our car, but yeah. you would listen to it on shuffle. Yeah, so that was my problem is that, like I said last week, what I would do is I would just download, you know, an album from Mediafire or whatever. And then I would just have my entire Windows Media Player library and I would just hit shuffle and be like, all right, I have the greatest taste in music ever. And <laughs> like every song that's going to come on is going to be a banger. I, I never listened to albums from start to finish. That just, that was a wild concept to me. And whenever I met you guys and you were like, Oh, I love this part so much, and I was like, the end of the vowels. <laughs> I was like, that's mean. And you're like, what? No, like the train. I was like, I have no idea what you. And then I listened to it, and I, my body just like <laughs> separated from myself as soon. And I'll put the transition in uh, right here. If you grew up with white boys who only look at black and Puerto Rican porno. But it's, like, it's just still to this day, 
one of the most wonderful, one of the greatest transitions I've ever heard in any song before. And I still to this day can't believe that I did not know about it for like several years so many years i can't believe that the shuffle never had that song come after yeah it. well yeah, I, I listen to a lot of music not okay, to brag. Okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was a very cool 13 year old okay anyway uh yeah but um, after vowels it's really i think hard to talk about the song good friday because of how much i love that song and especially how much um my sister diane loves that song that's her favorite why song and I, I don't really know how to explain why we love it so much because, again, we're not really big on lyrics immediately. Mm-hmm. We're just big on the sound, mm-hmm. you know, and the way a song makes us feel. And it's really hard to put that into words, why one song makes us feel a certain way and why another doesn't. But there's just something about the rhythm of Good Friday that is so satisfying and so... It, it really makes you want to just replay it mm-hmm. over and over again. I, uh, You and I actually looked up because we were curious what the what the most streamed Y song was. And I almost threw your phone out the window <laughs> because it wasn't Good Friday. Like the idea that to me, and I think most people would agree with me, Good Friday, uh, Alopecia is the most quintessential Y album. And Good Friday is the most quintessential song on this record. As far as I would consider it. Yeah. And I, I would say, I would say as well. Yeah. You know. I it it is this track is I think one of the most clearly defining tracks that makes this album what it is you know a lot I think, of the oh sorry sorry no, continue. no go ahead well I was just gonna say that probably the hollows is their one of their most popular mm-hmm. and and when we did look up the streaming numbers on Spotify the vowels part two was one of the highest streams which, which, which surprised me mind, yeah but um the hollows is probably their most popular and well known I would say but I think Good Friday is one of their most popular within the fan uh, to mm-hmm. to the fans. Yeah. Good fun fact actually. The Hollows was the first Y song that the, either of us Both of us. Ever yeah, heard. both of us heard the the Hollows first. Yeah. So I, you know, I owe, I owe a lot to that track, but it's not one of the ones that I'm going to talk about. Um <laughs> but finish talking about Good Friday. Yeah. Well, um I, I just I just have so many memories with this song, you know, Diane and I listening to this in the car and mm-hmm. and you know, every time a new verse would start we'd be excited because mm-hmm. we'd be like, oh, it's not over yet. There's mm-hmm. one more verse, yep. you know? Even though we knew the song by heart. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and now at this point, this album, you know, you and I both probably have listened to it so many times that it almost doesn't feel like you're listening to it yeah. anymore. We just, you know, we sing the lyrics and it just kind of goes in one ear yeah. and out the other. Just in, muscle in a way. memory at this point. Yeah. Muscle memory. And uh, I love that. Mm-hmm. But I think I I would give a lot to go back and hear this song for the first time. For the first time. time, that would be I would give every single limb that I own. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I don't know if I go. That far, <laughs> but um, yeah, just just it 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 fills you so deeply with an emotion. Like we talked about uh, Gemini, just like giving you so many such a swell. So, of yeah, so, such a swell. So it it and Elephant Eyelash being so nostalgic, so deeply yeah. like, no matter what memory you ascribe it to, it's a really strong one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, Good Friday and Alopecia, but particularly Good Friday, fills you with, I would say, the same, if not more emotion, but just a different kind of just like really. It feels like regret. It feels like, yeah, nostalgia, but in a in a more um, uncomfortable way. Yeah. You know, um, like like this is something that you didn't realize like you could feel almost. Um, at least whenever I first and first listened to Good Friday. So personally, like when when on a first listen, 
it's incredible. But even just in the context uh, of the album and, and how it flows into that, uh, I mentioned earlier how I think it's one of the most important ones on the album yeah, because definitely. it establishes the sound so directly and it establishes his vocals. Um, at least the vocals that I attribute to alopecia really that are so much different than elephant eyelash. Yeah. It's like, you can tell that the weight of the world is on his shoulders. You can like, he's just monotonous. He's like mumble rapping. He's like, well, it's just so much different than elephant. Eyelash. Yeah. He's, 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 he's monotonous. He's almost like you can tell, you can't see him obviously. Cause you're listening to the album. You can see there's like nothing behind his eyes whenever he's singing this stuff. Mm. Um, at least to me, you know, mm. I don't want to say that he's not filled with emotion. I, I, I think, think it's, it's just it's very, painful yeah i think it's know? just really hard to get through so he's kind of just he's just dejected i think yeah. um whenever he's singing um you know whenever he says uh just literally any part of that song is just uh, yeah uh, yeah well the, the very very end when he says i'll see you when the sun sets east don't forget me which is of course the title of, of the Noah brothers podcast podcast yeah, yeah. it's yeah the and they picked it as their namesake because like i said this is one of the most important it's such a strong such a strong line and such a strong song um and I feel like that line in particular kind of harkens back a little bit to uh, Elephant Eyelash. Not to keep trying to, you know, throw songs where they don't belong. But, uh, uh, yeah, I'll see you when the sun sets east. You know, it's really romantic. But also just like, in the, at least, so if that line had been in Elephant Eyelash, it would have sounded a lot sweeter. But it's yeah. depressing it's at the end of really this. It's really lonely yeah, and exactly. desperate. Yeah. And, but also a little bit angry and defiant mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Again, again, it, it, it's the kind of line that you can think of someone that you would apply that to. Exactly, yeah. And there's another one uh, in this album. I don't think it's in any of the songs we're going to name, so I'll just say it, um, where he says, even though I haven't seen you in years. Oh. Even though I haven't seen you in years, yours is a funeral I'd fly to from anywhere. Yours, yours is, is a funeral, funeral I'd fly, fly to from, from anywhere. anywhere. That's what I was going to say. It was when I'll see you in the sunset's east, and that one you just said from these mm-hmm. two presidents. Two, the yeah. two lines of this album I, I would say as well yeah just the two strongest i think the ones that people um quote so okay i'll i'll, I'll add another one on okay. this. Just, since we're doing this <laughs> yeah. this is our fun new segment where we talk <laughs> about uh really specific lyrics so i'll see you when the sun sets east like uh, yours even is though your, i haven't seen you in years. years yours is if you know i fly to from anywhere and you're the only proper noun i need God. Those are if I see anybody yes. ever quote why in any context, those are the three lyrics yeah. that they can choose from, and that's that's all they're allowed to choose from. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, just so I would say, just like just as poetic as his earlier albums, but like in a more in a context that you you can't really these 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 three lines are, I think, some of the most important on the record, especially in the context of. Yoni saying them. And to me, they're a very unique way to put a universal feeling. Yes. Which is why pe- people love this album. Yeah, people people take these Because people lyrics can relate it. to it. I guarantee there is at least, I don't want to say it. I guarantee there are a shit ton of people who have one of these lyrics tattooed, tattooed on their somewhere, body. somewhere, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those 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 three lines are just, are, I, I think, some of, those, some, some of the most important on the record. Um, and two of them aren't even on songs that we're going to talk about. Um, which is just just goes to show how like strong every moment of this yeah, album is. Yeah, it's hard to pick exactly pick songs to um, talk about. You okay, I'll, I'll talk about um, 
the one that Rachel and I didn't uh, disagree on, or the one that we both of Wait. us didn't didn't pick. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, one of the ones well, I want to talk about. And once again, um, I, I wanted to kind of go away from talking about Good Friday, at least personally, and the Hollows, because those are the most talked about uh, songs. I think for very good reason. They're incredible, and they really define the sound of this of this uh, album. But one of the ones that I wanted to talk about uh, because of how it relates to the history of why and the history of Yoni is The Fall of Mr. Fifth. It's um, a really good one. First of all, it's, just one of my one of my, it's definitely one of my favorites on the album. Uh, I was talking to you earlier about how it's one of the most satisfying songs to sing along to. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's just, Once you get the lyrics. Once you get the lyrics, and if you can say it in one breath. Oh, like I can't that, do it. I still can't do <laughs> it. I, like, every so often I'll be able to do it, and I'm like, man, today's going to be a good day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just um, The Fall of Mr. Fifth's Mr. Fifth being him. So one of the pseudonyms I talked about last week uh, that he used to go under was Miss Ohio's Nameless. Um, there's a song on the Sand Dollar GP by the same name, uh, incredible track. But, and unless I'm mistaken, Pony Fifths, Mr. Pony Fifths was another pseudonym that he used, um, I think around that same time, around around the around the mm-hmm. uh, Miss Ohio's Nameless, uh, or, or during his solo time. But in the context of this record and in the context, like him, this is, the fall of Mr. Phipps. This is him talking about like the, the downfall of this is him talking about his downfall uh, in one of the darkest times of his life. And just even outside of the outside of the lyrics, just if you just look at the the title of the song and you understand the context of, you know, he is Mr. Fitz. Obviously, he's talking about himself, but um, kind of almost burying that uh, that older or that younger um, version of himself. Like that was more, I would say, hopeful. You know, more uh, definitely more energetic. I would say, at least mm, in, in the yeah. terms of the music he was putting out at that time versus you know alopecia. Um, but this is the downfall of Mr. Fist. You know, he's really hammering the idea that like I'm you know beaten down basically to the ground. But yeah, the entire the entire song is just uh, like a, a narrative, like a, a retelling of his his descent basically into into the slump that he's in uh, at the time. Um, that alopecia came out and slumps, et cetera. <laughs> okay. I have to leave the podcast Sorry. now. <laughs> um, but you know, there's a line where he says, this is the fall of Mr. Fifths. Like this, this entire album, you guys are witnessing me, like, you know, my descent, you guys are witnessing my downfall. Um, and I think even just the title, uh, the, the, the song is in itself, like I said, very satisfying to sing along to. It's got the, um, sort of like breathy sing song, uh, uh, quality that a lot of his tracks do that I think some of the most uh, fun ones are but just just the title really stands out to me the most because it is so clearly like if you couldn't he's basically just like hey by the way if you didn't notice that like everything's shit right now this 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 line <laughs> will you know I can't get any clearer this this is the fall of Mr. Fifths like that's I mean the most I had to say like I said in terms of lyrics obviously there there, there are some incredible ones throughout the throughout the track but the personally my favorite part about the actual song is just singing along to it yeah. it's just like yeah. it's so much fun and like i said if i can get in one breath like that i'll be like no oh, i did my good deed for the day <laughs> i did my cool thing for the day this is the fall of mr fifth forged for the hordes and the ladies and lords set with fat chords in modern english i know i know 
There's nothing more appealing than the sound of high heels down the marble side. Hallways of your district's one allotted city funded Steiner School bilingual or Montessori, followed by a single high pitched scream, followed by breaking glass. But could your anger be mapped into an interpretive dance to a trip hop track? Could it be bowed out on strings or strung into a pattern for a god's eye to bring to your alma mater's holiday fundraiser boutique thing? Well, do we want to both talk about the one we were going to talk about? Yeah, okay. the one we both chose. Yeah, we'll both talk about. It. We'll we'll just kind of riff back and forth, back and forth, you know, as as uh, as we do. Well, we both really really love by Torpedo or Crohn's, mm-hmm. which I would say Torpedo or Crohn's, Good Friday. Um, well, I don't want to name my favorites from every other album because mm-hmm. then we'll be here for another twenty yeah, minutes. Yeah. But but by I would say by Torpedo or Crohn's has been my favorite for um several years mm-hmm. uh from this album and just in general again kind of like good friday i don't really know how to explain why there's just something about the particular darkness of this song and just just the way that it sounds the, the melody of it and the the trudging along of it similar to the fall of mr fist mm-hmm. kind of trudging mumbling mm-hmm. there's just something about this one yeah and even like you said going back to talking about good friday these two tracks in particular, I think really defined the sound and the theme and the mood of the whole album behind the entire album. Yeah, the same way that we talked about Gemini kind of sets the whole mood for Elephant Eyelash. Yeah. These two tracks, oh, by Torpedo Crones and Good Friday, do the exact same thing for Alopecia, just in a very much darker tone and a very much darker mood. I think this track, um, along actually a lot of the tracks on Eskimo Snow, but uh, this track in particular seems the most like confessional, like. Uh, uh, the, 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 here's a laundry list of things that have happened in my life, and here's a laundry list of like ways that I, the different experiences that I've had, um, where he says, you know, I'm hiding from my friends in the bathroom at Thrift Town to write this two down, you know, and, and it it kind of gives the same feeling that um, today after lunch I got sick in blue chunks, yeah. um, in feeling the most confessional to me being yeah. like, or or just the most like straightforward like I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, I'm not going to dumb it down. Exactly. Here's two. Because in Again, we, we don't. I don't want to keep comparing different albums, yeah. but but there's something about Elephant Eyelash, say, or some of his earlier stuff um, that is more, co- like you said, coded in a kind of poetry mm-hmm. or um, art, I guess. Mm-hmm. But this one is just pure, like straight up. This is what's happening. I don't know how else to talk about it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like you said earlier, a diary entry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just like. Not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play around I'm like you know like I I talked last week about elephant eyelash being like um, or elephant eyelash and some of his older stuff and even some of his newer stuff just being like abstract poetry poetry put around you know beats or put around you know really interesting instrumentation this is straight up like I'm reading off like an ex- an experience that I had in one day during this really dark time in my life um, and Good Friday you know he's like mortaring your your whole shut in a rush with yeah. coke um, just he's really like uh visceral these very these very particular vivid images of what's happening yeah Yeah. and this is like i feel like one of the albums that you can get a the clearest image of how yoni was as a person at least in this time because you can you can see how he is in oakland and elephant eyelash as a writer and the different ways he can express different feelings and stuff like that but this is like you almost you you get I think the clearest view into his his day to day life or his his own personal experiences in this album, yeah. And I think in this song, uh, this and Good Friday the most. Yeah, because I mean, thinking again about certain lines that stick out to me from this album from this song is again like you know throwing up, you know like mm-hmm. 
uh, in Good Friday, he talks a lot about like jerking off, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, what else? Like doing coke, you know. Yeah. And then there's that line in I think it's these be presents where he says my my fingers something about finger strangling. So just lines like that that are so violent and so yeah visceral. It's really hard to ignore the extremity Mm -hmm. of these lyrics. Mm -hmm. But yeah, before we get to like either start talking in circles or get too deep into by torpedo cones, is there another track that you wanted to talk about? Um, not specifically. I I mean, again, I could really go into detail about any of these tracks. Mm -hmm. I think Simeon's Dilemma is one that has really grown on me Mm -hmm. over the years. It's not one that stood out to me a a lot Mm -hmm. when I first listened to the album, but there's something about the the loneliness and desperation, Mm -hmm. again, in that song that have become all the more, um piercing mm-hmm. to me over time and, and you compared it to a track on elephant island yeah, yeah. i kind of related it to the way that gemini makes me feel mm-hmm. in terms of just the swell of emotion in terms mm-hmm. of loving someone else a partner mm-hmm. simian's dilemma is its pair mm-hmm. but in a one-sided way yeah which makes it even more um, sad yeah just yeah, yeah just straight sad up, yeah. and just again like we said you're the only proper noun i need that mm-hmm. line still makes me emotional yeah. it still chokes me up at times yeah uh, like we said, one of the most, Im- I, at least I think personally, one of the most important uh, lines on the record. Uh, and the last track that I wanted to talk about is the actual last track on the record, um, Exegesis. Uh, I think that's how you say it. Uh, I'll just oh, say yeah, it. I guess that is how you say it. I always said it wrong. So. Oh, how, how'd you say it? No, nope, I'm not okay. going to say it. Like that. <laughs> Exegesis, I'm assuming. Um, because it's cl- it's so clearly a finale like of, of an album. It's so clearly the last song on an album because he talks about... All, all these horrible things that he's been talking about throughout the entire record, you know, uh, faking suicide for applause in the food courts and malls, you know, mortaring your whole shot with a rush of white coke, all these things about, like, how much he wants to die or all these horrible situations that he's in. In Exegesis, he says, if I really meant it, like, if I meant all that stuff that I said... He says all that, and it's almost like a exegesis is almost like a suicide note. But he's like, if I really meant of what I was saying, this is exactly how I would do. This is what I would do, and it made me realize that in Elephant Eyelash and Mumps, both of those albums are their their final tracks are focused on him dying or his death or him yeah just but they're handled in completely different exactly ways. and this it's not something that i realized whenever i listen to elephant eyelash all the way through it's not something that i realized whenever i listen to mumps all the way through because it's just like those two songs are in a much i would say brighter context than mom uh, than alopecia is whether it's easier to ignore yeah exactly but this one is just like so just in your face like i'm talking about you know death i'm talking about my own my own fall or my own my own death and and you know at the end of elephant eyelash where he says when my balls are finally big enough to do it i don't want no casket no saddle no see-through plastic mask 
love that part where it switches. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, a great part and then the at the end of Mumps, he talks about, I'll hold my own death as a card in the deck. I'll hold my own death as a card in the deck to be played when there are no other cards left. So those three albums, um, I think three of the most important uh, albums, at least before, you know, in, in our time, you know, before Mulcain mm-hmm. came out, three of, three of the most important albums to us. Once again, not to do Eskimo Snow any disservice. Um, ending in this idea of his death or in, in the idea of like his finale. Um it's the strongest in alopecia. Like you said, it was easier to kind of like forget in the context of the other two albums, but you can't, you can't look past this one on this record. Can I talk a little bit about this song? You please do. Um, I'm everything that you're saying is really interesting. Cause mm-hmm. I almost feel a little bit different about mm-hmm. it. I think it's one, I don't know if it's because the album that I had, had those two extra tracks, the, the remixes right, yeah. at the bottom that exegesis felt a little bit more like a transition piece to mm-hmm. me. But even without those two remix tracks, Exegesis still sounds like a transition song to me as opposed to an ending because it's so cyclical and it mm-hmm. fades in and fades out. And it's clearly implying that there is no beginning and no end, mm-hmm. which is actually kind of similar to what I said about Moline earlier, how it's there's, there's this kind of cycle, mm-hmm. you know, whereas on Alopecia, it feels hopeless, mm-hmm. you know, like he's stuck. It's like when you have those same thoughts racing through your head mm-hmm. and you just can't get out of this rut. Um, but Moline is, is almost this contentment Mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I, and just the idea of, like you said, feeling stuck in this cycle of like, just like suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Like like, what's the point? Exactly. And then right after that, you know, if you're listening to it on a record, just silence, Mm. just like nothing else after that. Um, or the, the, or the beginning of the, exactly. Or, and if you're not listening to it on a record and that's just as, yeah. You know, just as just as uh, kind of frightening, kind of like I'm stuck, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's like I don't know which one I would prefer if I would prefer the silence or the idea that I have to go through all of this self-realization again. Yeah. Well, it's great for us because the album's amazing. Yeah. The album's incredible and I don't have to relate to any of those well. experiences. <laughs> but um, yeah, just an endless amount of words for, for every single one of these. For every yeah. Single was one there of anything songs. else you wanted to talk about real Maybe fast? Maybe just like or? some some honorable mentions or just like some some quick yeah, just real facts. quick. Um, 28 obviously oh yeah we, we love 28 he gives he gives the the old lone star state a shout yeah, out he talks about texas. texas yeah um i talked a little bit um earlier i, I kept saying that i was going to talk about this line and i totally forgot to talk about it and follow mr fifth when he says that i never said i didn't have syphilis miss list list i'd be upset i never said i didn't have syphilis miss list list hard like the bricks i pound my fists with I mean, she's hard like the bricks that I pound with my fists. Um, there's a there's a line in Cloud Dead's uh, in, in um, a themselves track that Cloud Dead was featured on, called "Rapping for Money." Incredible song. He remixes it. Yoni remixes it for his old dope rap tape. Um, so in in the fall of Mr. Fitz, he said that I never said I didn't have syphilis, mislessless. And in rapping for money, he says, I'll rock my fake batch of syphilis, which is strictly for pity. Isn't it? If it ain't dick to make, I'll rock my fake batch of syphilis, which is strictly for pity. But boy, it ain't pretty. The full rash on my breastplate. I'd ask if this And so, like, we're talking about just like random throwaway things. I really want to know, like, something had to have happened for him to reference that line twice within you know seven or eight years yeah um i gotta know dude 
<laughs> I gotta oh, know what no, it was. It's just so personal. Yeah, but um, no. So so yeah, that that just being like uh, you know, and I've talked about why as a discography rather than each individual. You know, seeing how it all flows together from from start to whenever he decides or they decide to finish. Um, and how in a sky for shoeing horses under um, the the only clear indication that this and Eskimo Snow were recorded in the exact same uh, session was um, he says the sky for shoeing horses under and then in Eskimo Snow in a track in Eskimo Snow he says looks like a sky for shoeing horses under looks like a sky for some kind But yeah, just like some uh, a sky for shoeing horses under, I think is one of my the same way that the fall of Mr. Fist is one of my favorite songs to just like sing along to. A sky for shoeing horses under is my favorite song to walk to. Yeah, it's like it's, it's like him walking. Yeah, exactly. In and, yeah, out of the frame. in and out of the frame. Um, so it's like I'm being put in that exact situation. Literally, like I will look down at the ground and like watch my shoes go in and out <laughs> of, of my own frame. I tuck my bottom teeth and look at the sidewalk in front of me as my tennis shoes go in and out of the frame. Another slew-footed empty lot walking on goose eggs in the mission. Yeah. So, I mean, did you have any other honorable mentions? Um, I mean, I could just name all the other songs on the album. Yeah, you want to just do that? No. <laughs> so all we're going to do is just listen to the rest of the album <laughs> for, the, for the rest of the segment. If we keep talking, we're just going to talk about every single track on this record. Um so thank you again to Noah and Gavin. I believe this uh, segment is going to air separately from uh, their When the Sun Sets East. Uh, so this will be a little bonus episode, uh, which is probably good because we've been recording for a lot longer than we did last time. Um, but yeah, thank you again to Noah and Gavin. Yeah, Thanks thank again you to so the much. Arc of E uh, Network for having us on to where we can just literally sit down and yell at each other about why no. for, for an entire <laughs> hour. Um, this is going much more amicably than I thought it would be. I thought you and I would have a lot of disagreements. Really? On, on this album. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, but... Yeah, thank you again. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about Eskimo, Eskimo Snow, Snow, which is going to be very exciting because, I, like you and I said, I don't think this album gets enough credit. Um, yeah. And throughout all of Wise discography, because I'm a huge fan of all of it, some of my favorite lyrics, some of, those, some of the most important lyrics to me are in this record. Are in Eskimo Snow? Yes. So uh, there's your little teaser for next okay. week. Yeah, I'm yeah. Excited. Stay tuned. Um, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah.